Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Troy Ferguson. Well, how's everyone doing today? You excited to be here? Come on, that wasn't believable. You excited to be here? That's, that's a little better. Obviously, by now, you know that Pastor Jim is not here, but uh, I know if you leave now, I will call you out, <laughs> just so you know. Well, today we're going to talk about something that's very interesting, and uh, I'm going to a lot of times when I speak, I'll start with several scriptures and so forth, and I'll elaborate on them. But today, we're actually going to have more scriptures at the end, and I'm going to get into a few things that, uh, that God put on my heart several, several weeks ago. And, um, and the, the title is this, Hype in Jesus. Hype in Jesus. Now, you're probably thinking already, well, that's a strange title. Uh, recently, I posed a question on social media. It says, what hypes you up? Now, those of you that responded, you didn't realize maybe that this was going to be part of a sermon illustration. And I am using your answers, some of them today. So, when I ask the question, what hypes you up, without giving any, any more details than just simply that question, here's a few of the answers. Seeing my clients, this is from a personal trainer, seeing my clients hit a new personal best on certain workouts. Another one was, all things Africa, the people, the land, the culture, all of it. Another one, good music, seeing people succeed, extreme weather. I'm a weirdo, it says. I live for severe thunderstorms and bad snowstorms. <laughs> that's our social media manager right there. The one that's always taking pictures. So if, if there's a thunderstorm going on outside, she may not be in here taking pictures because apparently she likes that. Okay, continuing on. Legit worship music. New ideas, new creations. Coffee, progress when dreams are flourishing. Setting goals and crushing them. The next one, setting goals and crushing them. Continuing, when Pastor Jim says, come on, Troy. <laughs> I like that one too. When my kids get something for the first time, it just clicks. Continuing, Pastor Chris says, going to see my grandkids in Kentucky. Tim Lezinski said, getting to worship on the congas. Now, these are a variety of different responses to what hypes you up. There's a, there's a mentality of the word hype, and, and, and we're gonna talk about this uh, in detail today, and it's not always necessarily what we think. So the definition of, type, of hype this is the perceived definition of what we often think it is. Something or someone that generates, generates an extreme joyous emotion. You know, there are certain things in life that, that you and I experience that, that, that we, we respond to uh, an activity or something that just is, is thrilling. For one reason or another, there's something about it that, that all these different things here were pretty much all a response to something that they enjoy, something that they know, something they're familiar with. And interestingly enough, in my family, something over the last two years has, has radically changed. You see, some of you may be familiar with a term called fantasy football. 
Now, fantasy football is this, is you have a, a, a collection of a variety of people that play professional football in the NFL, and then you pick from all different teams, and the collection of people that you have, not any specific team, but a collection from different teams, you pick who you think's best at this and best at that, and best wide receiver, best quarterback, and this and that. And then you combine them to make your team, and your team competes against other teams, other people that are doing something similar. Well, the reason that I, that I bring this up is my family uh, has a, a fantasy football league. And interestingly enough, my wife has gone berserk with this. Now, let me just say, before last year, I would say over the last seven, eight years, she maybe is watching one, two football games. But over the last two years, she's telling me, hey, are we going to go home and watch this football game? We're going to go home one, you know, I, I'm the kind of person like, I want to watch the Steelers. So I, I kind of, I figured out maybe the day of, when are the Steelers playing today? When are they playing next week? And I, I get a glimpse of it. But for her now, it could be anybody that's on her team, she wants to watch it. So we're not watching the news. We're not watching other shows that are on. We're watching Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night. We're watching football to keep track of the different teams that, that uh, the people that she has. As a matter of fact, uh, her team, one of her team, uh, people from her team is playing this morning. I'm actually surprised that she's even here today. Um, so, um, recently, there was a, uh, a game that one of her players did extremely well. And, and when we talk about hype, uh, now remember, this is a woman who, who has barely watched football over the last 10 years, but recently has just kind of done a complete 180. And I want to show you something Whenever something happened that was, let's say, pretty good, this is how she responded. Now, before you get concerned, I did kind of get permission to use that. I know some of you think I'm going to be in trouble again. What's unfortunate is I missed the best craziness. She kept going, and then I finally got my phone out and tried to sneak it up. You know, any of you have ever tried to do that? Anyway, so in our house, uh, we respond, and my, my son as well. My, my son gets up in the morning, Jackson gets up in the morning, and before, granted, it's like trying to wake up a brick at times, you know? But before he gets down the steps, he's asking me, did you pick this person up? Did you do this? Did you do that? So he's already checked his fantasy football list and asking me about mine. And here's the funny thing is, I really don't care. I enjoy it. If I got people playing, if I got people on a buy, I might try to switch things up, but I really, it really is not a big deal to me. To them, they're like, I can't believe you didn't switch this person. I can't believe you didn't go after this person. So what's my point with this little illustration? Hype is a, an interesting thing. Whenever you, you have something that you enjoy or you, uh, you are passionate about, for one reason or another, even if it's fantasy football, 
there's a hype, there's a response, there's an emotion that is attached to it. But listen, here is actually what the definition of hype is. It's a little different. Remember we said something or someone that generates an extreme joyous emotion. That's what our perceived definition is. To promote or publicize extravagantly, or more specifically, promotion or propaganda with exaggerated claims. Hype is often something that is, is something that we want to hype people up to, to attract them to something. It's not just a response, but it's often hype is before an event or before an activity that we have hype. So why am I saying hype in Jesus? Well, let, let's get into this a little more. Um, examples of hype that we see in our, in our culture. One is in movies. Sometimes uh, you, you may see these called trailers or commercials for a movie. That is, the, the highlights or the best parts of a movie, in a sense, to hype you up about wanting to go and pay money to go see that movie. A lot of times, if you go to a movie, there are several trailers that play before the film for other movies because they want you to come back to see that. So hype is very, very uh, uh, necessary in this kind of thing in movies. We also see it in sports as I mentioned about fantasy football, but even in sports before that, you, you got hype about an event coming up, about a game coming up. This is really what tailgating is all about. Those of you that are familiar with tailgating, is people will go and they party and they have fun before the game ever happens because they're, they're enjoying their team and the possibility or the potential of what's about to happen. So they come together, they party before the game even begins. So they're not just responding to the possibility of something, they're responding to the potential of something. So sports is something that we see hype all the time. Another one, social media. Social media is a place, and, and, and this is interesting. This is actually a good thing, but I'm just gonna talk about it in this example. Recently I was in a social media class, and one of the things that they talked about was whenever you post something uh, for an organization, a business or a church even, get people from that organization to like it, to share it, to comment on it, because that generates a, an excitement about whatever you're posting about. And there's a, there's a mentality that if we, if we uh, get more people to look at this, Facebook, for example, their algorithm is whenever you, you get more people to post it and share it and like it, that generates a more uh, higher response. And then other people get to be familiar with your post because of all these people responding to it. So social media is definitely a place that there's, there's a hype. There's an initial response to things. And sometimes it, it is just a, a, a response that we're doing before we even know what we're looking at, just like a, a football game. And the last one, that, that believe it or not, the church is a place um, with hype. And what was interesting about this is, as, as I was studying this, and God's revealing this to me, uh, I'm like, but God, I, I do that. You know, sometimes I'll be behind the piano, and I'm not saying I'm going to stop doing this, but sometimes I'll say, how are you guys doing today? Just like I did before the sermon, how are you guys doing today? You know, you know three or four of you say, oh, we're okay, we're okay. And then I say, oh, come on, that wasn't very good. What it is, it's, it's, it's I'm hyping you up to try to get you to respond, in a sense, in, in a preparation for what we're about to share. We're about to go into worship. Let's get excited. See, one of the things that's interesting, unfortunately, about the American church is we come into church and we aren't hyped up at all. Most times we come in, we're, we're tired, we're cranky, we just got up, we had a fight with our wife, whatever, on, on the way to church, whatever it is. But when we get to church, we need, in a sense, to be stirred up or to be, be uh, coaxed into getting to a, a place of worship. But the reality of it is, we should be in a, in a form of worship all the time. 
So when we come to church, on our way to church, we should be in a, in a preparation for ourselves to be worshiping, to come to, be, uh, to receive from God today. So when we get here, the first note we play, we should be as a church excited. We are ready to go. We are excited about what God's going to do in this place. But unfortunately, in the American church, and the reason I say American church is because I've seen other countries, and um, it's just different. One of the reasons it's different is because some of these people will walk miles, 10, 15 miles, to go and experience Jesus in a church without all the, the technology that we have, and they just want to see Jesus. So as soon as the music starts, they are ready. Matter of fact, if you have ever been to a conference of some sort, typically when people go to conferences, they're excited for what's about to happen. So they go into an atmosphere, and as soon as the first word is sung, they're ready to go. I personally have experienced conferences like this, and I'm like, man, why don't we see that atmosphere in, in our, on our Sunday morning? Well, partly is because we're coming to church tired, thinking about what we're doing for lunch, thinking about what we did last night, regretting that we stayed up late the night before, whatever it is. There's a variety of things that, that we come into church in a, um, in a state that is just not hyped, is not exciting, not joyous, and sometimes we need a little bit to, to get us going on that. So, those are a couple of different things about hype, and we're going to review this. Hype in Jesus. Hype in Jesus. This doesn't make sense because it sounds like we're just trying to conjure up something that's not real. But the reality of it is, too often, this is exactly what we do in the church. When I look at, um, when I look at different uh, worship things or, or, or preaching things on television, the big churches, typically one of the, the characteristics that you always see about it is extreme energy. The, the, the worship, whether it be Hillsong or Elevation or Bethel or, or some of the others, the others that you might follow, one thing that you always see is there's, a, there's an extreme amount of joy. Appearance. It appears that there's an extreme amount of joy and energy and excitement, and uh, it starts right from the very first note. That's what it looks like on television. So whenever we see that, we always wonder, man, why don't we have that in our church? Why don't we experience that quite like that in our church? Well, first of all, let me just say that most of those situations are produced. What I mean by produced is they capture moments that have a, a great response. They capture moments that are energetic, and that, that's the kind of stuff that they put at those beginnings of those programs because they want to, to uh, communicate that type of atmosphere. Nothing wrong with that. It's not that it's, it's fake, per se, but sometimes we think, okay, I'm trying to duplicate what I see on television. I'm trying to duplicate what I see at this conference. And the reality of it is, it, it's just not something that we should try to strive for. At one time, we had a passion for Christ that burned deep in our soul. But we may have let it dissipate because we stopped stoking the fire. We remember what we once had and attempt to duplicate that emotion without duplicating the efforts that brought about that emotion. This is one of the things that we, we find ourselves in the, in the modern church dealing with, that we are trying to conjure up, and I use the word conjure because it, it makes sense here. We're trying to do something or develop something based upon maybe an experience we actually at one time had, but now we just we try to duplicate the emotion without duplicating the, the things that 
went with that emotion, the, 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 the process or whatever that, that happened with that. David Wilkerson, uh, some of you know this name, David Wilkerson started Teen Challenge many, many years ago and has had a ministry, amazing ministry up in in New York, and actually started out of Phillipsburg, just around the corner here, and uh, ministering out of New York for many years. But he said something that I want to point out. He said this, Don't let your Pentecostal fire be replaced by the fire of indignation. Don't let your Pentecostal fire be replaced by the fire of indignation. Here's the quote. And, This is from 1971, amidst riots at home in the war in Vietnam. Wilkerson's greatest concern is not youthful sin or rebellion, but the reaction of Christians. David Wilkerson wrote the warning to the American church, and it speaks directly to the church today. Here's what it said. Suddenly, we are no longer capable of Holy Ghost love. Pentecostal fire is replaced by the fire of indignation. Our love turns to bitterness. Our hope turns to despair. Have we forgotten how much God has forgiven us? We have forgotten how patient our God really is. You say, well, Troy, does that really happen? Does that happen today? This quote from 1971 could not be more applicable to the church today. We see nowadays, we see especially on media, social media, news, we see the church rising up against situations, against this, against that, whatever they see, something that they feel goes against the word of God, we're surprised and we have a, an anger or an indignation that comes along with it. So what do we do about it? Well, we go on television and, and we, we have picket lines at this event or that le- event, or, or we, we go on to social media and post about this and post about that. And the reality of it is, God doesn't want us to be known for, and I've said this before, God doesn't necessarily want us to be known for what we're against. He wants us to be known for what we're for. And whenever we look at, look at the, the church and we look at what are we posting on social media, what are we, we responding to in the news, what are the situations, there are times that it's, it's about what we're upset about, the indignation, as David Wilkerson said. And whenever you, you lose that initial fire, when you lose that initial um, spark that actually motivated you to do and be who you are, you still have a fire and you replace that with anger and bitterness and, and resentment to a culture. For some reason, and Pastor Jim hits on this all the time, but for some reason, we as the church are shocked when people of the world act like people of the world. But what's unfortunate is when the church acts like people of the world. And what do I mean by that? hatefulness, bitterness, racism. Those kind of things are are not biblical. Those kind of things are not of God. And those kind of things need to be eliminated for us to show and shine who Christ really is. And here's the thing that's interesting. This is nothing new. Uh, We look at the story of David. David was a, a man with a victorious warrior for God. We know him as someone who who defeated Goliath. And we know him as a young boy and the things that he did with with God on his side. And we look at this story as as a man who at one time had a a youthful burning of of passion for God. 
And so what happens with David? We know the story is uh, in time, he fell into temptation with Bathsheba, had, the, had her husband killed, and then Nathan comes to him. The story, he tells a story of a rich man and a poor man. In the end, instead of taking one of his own, the, li- the rich man, instead of taking one of his own livestock to prepare for a meal, he takes that which belongs to the poor man. Nathan's telling David about this. David burns with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are the man. How many times are there something that we're upset about, that, that we, we see something in culture or in the church or in our kids, and we are so upset about it, and, and maybe God will, will rewind our history and say, you are that man. You were that woman. You were that man. You are that man. So just because we had an experience, just because there's a certain hype that we have about a time in our life, doesn't mean that that is going to carry us through. Yes, we remember that. Yes, we build upon that. But that doesn't mean that it's something that we always uh, respond to. There always needs to be a, a refreshing that occurs. So we look at the, the title, Hype in Jesus. In the church, in our workplace, whatever it might be, we know that there's a hype that kind of generates an emotion. But what I want to do is I want to switch gears on this mentality. And it's not about hype in Jesus, but it's simply a change of one letter, hope in Jesus. Our hope should be in Jesus. When our hope is in Jesus, we don't have to worry about conjuring up an emotion. We don't have to worry about doing something fake that will, that will bring about a response. You know, just recently, um, I saw on, on Facebook one of the worship leading groups, up, uh, worship leading Facebook groups I'm a part of, a worship leader posts something to other worship leaders to say, how do I respond to this? His pastor is asking him and the worship team to, um, in a sense, be his amen corner. What is that? That's a situation when the pastor says something in service that would uh, be nice to have a response. The pastor is telling him and the worship team, I want you and your team to respond in those moments with an amen, with a hallelujah, with a whatever. I want you to be the first to lead the way of responding like that. Now, here's the interesting thing. I don't have an issue with the mentality that as leaders, we should lead the way in responding to situations. But whenever you have someone saying, okay, I want you to do this, you realize it's no longer a response out of your heart, it's a response out of the pastor's email. And and sometimes we have a mentality that, okay, whenever Pastor Troy says today, how are you doing today? I'm gonna jump up and say, I'm blessed. If you're not blessed, I don't want you to stand up and say, I'm blessed. But what happens is in in the church, in business, in our families, we we try to um, create or produce this mentality, this response, without it coming from the heart. Hope in Jesus is where it's at. 
Why do we have hope in Jesus? Here's a few scriptures. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of these things about hope is biblical, and we should be motivated by hope. These three scriptures just gave us reason of why we should be motivated and why should be hyped, we should be hyped up and excited and joyous. Because we have a hope like none other. Now, let me say this. There's, there's one word, as I prayed and prepared for this, there's one word that I feel that we need to understand in the church. When it comes to hope, when it comes to hype, when it comes to this kind of stuff, there's one word, and, and I'm not one to be all about formulas and how-tos, but if there's one how-to that I want to say, here is a how-to. What do we need to be, truly have hope in Jesus? Authenticity. Authenticity is so necessary in today's church. You know, I grew up in, in an atmosphere that I saw the church, I saw God move, I experienced things, but I never, there were times that I didn't really know for myself or understand for myself exactly what was happening, what was going on, but I always believed somebody else and trusted them, but the authenticity of my worship wasn't always something that was valid. Matter of fact, I remember, and I'm sure none of you do this, but when I was a teenager, my cousin David and I, there were times I remember that we would, uh, we would be watching worship, uh, not participating per se. You guys all participate wonderfully, so this doesn't happen to you. <laughs> but I remember as a teenager, and granted, I wasn't a kid. I wasn't like six or seven. We were teenagers. And I remember David and I, we would be like, okay, Pastor Jim Lloyd at the time was the, the gentleman leading worship. And we said, when he raises his hand, we'll raise our hand. That was our cue. Doesn't matter what song, what lyric, what it was, if he raised his hand, we'll raise our hand. No authenticity there. We weren't personally worshiping. We were just responding to what the leader was doing. For many years, I worked with the, uh, the fine arts crew here, and um, one of the things that um, those of you that were ever under, under me or with me with, with fine arts, you have heard this. One of the things that is, is challenging with fine arts is it's a competition. When it's a competition, there's, there's a, a desire to perform. But with fine arts, my heartbeat for fine arts was to prepare people for this gifting in ministry in some capacity. So... One of the things that, that I would encourage the kids to do, let's say the large vocal ensemble or the worship team, they're standing here and they're singing. Let's say that they look like, you know, bumps on a log kind of thing. And I would do my best to encourage them 
to be engaged with the song. Sometimes I would even say, okay, tell me what this song means to you. This song that you're performing, this song that you're competing with, what does it mean to you? I even had, at one point, I even had the, the team write an essay. Like, tell me what this, in the depth of your heart, what does this song represent, what does it mean to you? Because I wanted them, when they would worship, when they would respond with the raising of hands, with the closing of eyes, with, with, with a seeking God, even in that moment, I wanted it to be authentic. But what was unfortunate is we would go to these competitions and we saw choreographed raising of hands. We saw uh, produced responses to situations. And I was never about like, okay, you know what? If they beat us because they performed better, I'm okay with that. Our kids, and, and I hope if you were one of the kids that we did this with, our kids always knew that it was about authenticity. Even if it was a competition. And that's the challenge of it. How do you worship and, and lead in worship but know that you're being judged? In, in, you know, and your scores can be based upon how energetic you were or how many times you raised your hand or how you closed your eyes or whatever, whatever it would be. But the reality of it is, everything we do, we should have authenticity. We have such a conflict in our culture about this, though. What is authentic? What is real? What's postable? That's a social media term. I heard Stephen Furtick say recently, I don't have to post it to prove it. I don't have to post it to prove it. Sometimes, and those of you that aren't, aren't on social media, you, you may think, what's he talking about? Those of you that are, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And here's the thing that's interesting. We say we want to see God move in our society, in our culture, and we want to see people that are lost come to know Christ. And then whenever we hear reports of someone uh, becoming a Christian and, and believing in Christ, for one reason or another, the church is skeptical. Recently, Kanye West has come out and said he's not going to do secular music anymore, just gospel music, and he's been preaching and doing different things. And the church has been crazy berating him. Oh, that's not true. That's not genuine. That's not this. I'm like, come on. Is it genuine? I don't know. I sure hope it is. Just today, or just yesterday, last night I wrote about Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, everyone knows who Brad Pitt is, who... who who his, his, his parents actually are, are believers, and he grew up in a Christian atmosphere, but he turned so far from God, became agnostic, and to the point of even saying he was an atheist. Just recently, I believe just two weeks ago, something happened in his life recognizing that he needs to make a change. He needs to restore that relationship with God. Now, what we're gonna do in the church, we're gonna say, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. Then we're gonna see something on on the news or on social media about Brad Pitt, about Kanye West, and say, see, I knew it. I knew it wasn't true. I knew it wasn't genuine. One reason or another, we as the church are the most judgmental when it comes to people changing their, their relationship from the world to a relationship with Christ. Can I just say, we need to just stop that mess? We need to say, you know what? I'm not the judge of their relationship with Christ. I hear it, I rejoice with it, and I pray for them. Can we say, I pray for Kanye West, I pray for Brad Pitt, that whatever that they have experienced, 
that the church does not lead them away, but the church brings them, comes around them and supports them and says, we love you. No matter what you've done or what you've said, we love you. Just like we see that in, in Hollywood, we see that in our workplace. We see that in our families. There are situations where we question the authenticity of situations. I'm just telling you, God is the only person who can judge authenticity. As I prayed about this and prepared for this, I said, okay, God, what is it that, that we go from hype to hope? And we understand that, that hype doesn't produce hope, but you know that hope can produce hype. If we, if we have a hope in Christ beyond all things of this world, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what, what attacks we have, no matter what decisions we have to make, if we have hope, as we read a few moments ago, if we have hope in Christ, it can produce a joy and an excitement that can shine through us. It's not false. It's not conjured up. It is a response to what God is doing in our life. And we don't always need to have all the answers to have hype and to have joy. So I said, God, how do we, how do, we do this? How, how, you know, I'm a how-to person, and I know I just said earlier that it's not about how-to. But I said, God, what is it that we can bring this home? How can we uh, look at what is it we need to do to have a hope that's genuine, that is authentic? And he simply said, it's about my name. I want to read a few scriptures here. John 14, 13 says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified to the Son. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 4, 30, While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. I'm going to ask the team to come on up if you guys aren't already on your way. Acts 3, 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Authenticity. Authenticity. Whenever we believe in Jesus, it's more than just simply going through a routine, coming to church, giving your tithes. Those are all good things. But when we are authentically connected in relationship with Christ, it will transform everything we do. It can impact everyone around us. Because when we have truly have hope in Jesus, there will be an illumination that occurs when we walk into a room. Not conjured up, not fake, not something because of how funny you are or this or that, but because deep down inside you burn with a love and a peace and a joy that it overflows in everyone, on everyone that are, is around you. You can't 
depend upon someone else's authenticity to take you where you need to go in God. You can't rely on my authenticity when I lead worship. You can't rely on Pastor Jim as he's preaching the word. Each one of us have to have an authentic relationship with Jesus. We see in the Bible the story of Saul when he's about to go after Goliath. He knows from his experience what he needs to do to go after this giant. But what does Saul do? Saul says, well, hold on. Here's how we do it. You need to put on my armor. Saul says to David, you need to put on my armor. You need to go in my ways, my method, and then you might have a chance. But we know the story that Saul's armor didn't fit David because it wasn't created for David. So whenever, whenever we try to go and do something based upon somebody else's experience, we're always going to be limited. We're always going to be incomplete. So we need to have and understand the hope that we have in Christ is because of my relationship. Not because of what my mom said, not because of what my dad said, not because of what my pastor said, because of my relationship in Christ. In Jesus' name, promises, read the Bible, we just read some of them, promises come to fruition in Jesus' name. Here's something to think about. Who you are when no one is watching will be revealed when everyone's watching. This goes back a little bit to our culture. There's a certain mentality that we have and how we respond to situations based upon how we think people wanna hear on social media or, or different situations, even in church. So what do we do? We say, well, here's what I think people wanna hear, so here's what I'll say. I've said this before, and, 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 and most of us know this, that social media, the, the element that we use today to communicate in, a, in a, just such a, a vast way is really a snapshot or even a commercial, a highlight reel of who we really are. Those of you that post on Instagram, I ask you, how many times did you take that picture before you got that spontaneous shot? You know what I mean? We want to look like, oh, I'm just, just hanging out, just casual. That's the 15th time I took that picture to make it look like I'm just casual. Now, granted, I'm cutting on social media a little bit, but how about you and I, when we get to the, the church parking lot, all of a sudden we put a smile on our face. I'm not saying you need to come in here and look mean and nasty, but all of a sudden we kind of flip the switch. We post it on social media. When, when we're at the grocery store and we're fighting with our kid, then we see someone from church. All suddenly we're the great family of God that is so happy together. And you know, you stop right there in the aisle and have communion together or something like, I don't know. But there's a mentality that we have that we need to, to have this certain perspective for people to see us that just isn't authentic. Can I tell you, it's okay to have trouble. It's okay to be going through situations. We need to be authentic. I spoke this past Wednesday and I talked about many times we see in the Bible that David 
David really kind of unloads at times about the junk that he's going through in the Psalms. That's good for us to read that kind of stuff because it shows us that we have permission to go to God with our junk too. So, another how-to. How do we do this? Declare Jesus. Declare Jesus. Let me just say this. Earlier, I, I asked the team to sing a song. We're going to sing this here in a minute. As I was preparing this message weeks ago, um, my dad told me about a song. And in full disclosure, sometimes when my dad tells me about a song, a worship song, it's like, okay, that's from like 1985. Or, okay. But I will say that he's, he's given me a few that have been awesome. This one called I Speak Jesus is one of them. And as we talk about authenticity, let me, let me just tell you something about this. You might have a situation in your life that someone says, you just need to pray the word. You just need to speak the word. And I'm not going to debate that or, or discount that at all. But what I do want to say, because my wife and I have had some discussions on this. You need to do it with a sense of authenticity. It's not a formula. If you just randomly open up the Bible and say, okay, I have no money in the bank, so I'm just going to read whatever comes to, you know, we're going to read the scripture that has nothing to do with anything. I read the word. They told me to, to speak the word. I'm going to shut it. Listen, the word does not return void, okay? I, I don't want to discount that. But understand, if we are speaking specific scriptures, specific principles, we need to have an understanding that it comes from an authentic heart, not because it's a formula we're trying to to, to get to a certain result. If we want to get to a certain result, we need to come to Jesus. We need to have our core, our roots in Jesus. And then those results can take place. So what I want to do today, and, and um, it was interesting how God has intertwined all this because some of the things that God put on my heart to do, we did earlier. Cindy, where's Cindy? She said, Troy, whatever you want to do with this. I'm thinking, well, I really want to do this later, but I can't do that now. But I said, okay, God, what are we going to do with this? And I want to tell you, there are some things that God put on my, that God put on my heart that as I read them, here's what I want you to do. If you personally or someone you love that you're close to deals with something that I'm about to read, I simply want you to stand up. You don't need to come forward. I want you to stand up. And if you were here earlier and you were prayed over because of one of these things, in a minute, you're going to be praying for these people that are still dealing with this stuff. So as I read this list, if you say, that's me, I want you to stand up. If you say, that's my husband, that's my wife, that's my mom, that's my daughter, whatever it might be, I want you to stand up. And I know you're probably thinking, well, Troy, I don't want people to know here's what's going on. This no Listen, we're authentic. We're not going to judge. This is the time when we're going to say, I declare Jesus over this situation in my life. I declare Jesus over this situation. As I read this, I declare Jesus over heartbreak. I declare Jesus 
over issues of my mind, over drug addiction, alcohol addiction, declaring Jesus over pornography addiction, declaring Jesus over eating addiction, self-cutting addiction. We declare Jesus today over fear, over anxiety, come on, over depression. Declaring Jesus today over doubt, over jealousy, over envy, over anger. We speak the name of Jesus over rage, over unforgiveness, bitterness, sickness, hate, racism, apathy. We declare Jesus today. Father God, I pray today, right now, for everyone who has responded. Begin ministering right where they are. If you are not standing because you are not dealing with one of these things, what I want you to do is I want you to stand now, put your hand on someone who is standing, and begin praying for them. Begin speaking the name of Jesus with authenticity over situations in the lives of these people. Everyone in here, Father God, I pray, does not leave with the burdens they came in with. If they're standing on behalf of someone, Lord, I pray that you will give them opportunity to minister to those people. Hope. There is hope in Jesus. There is peace in Jesus. There is love in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. The common denominator in all these things is it's in Jesus. The hype, the joy that we have is because of Jesus. Just minister right now, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As we close in prayer, I want to do something that's a little strange. Um, I'm a musician. We do strange things. I want you to take the hand of the person beside you without griping. We don't do this very often. God just kind of revealed right as I was standing here to do this as we close. Father God, we stand here in one accord holding hands. Lord, I pray from the left part of this building to the right that your spirit will begin to flow through the hands that are being held together because your love, your grace, your mercy is flowing in this place. Addictions have been broken. Freedom has been released. Father, I pray today that anybody with, with, with anxiety, as we prayed earlier, anybody with issues of, of uncertainty, I pray today, Father, as we're holding hands, that this will just be removed and dissolved from us. Renew our minds with your peace, your love, your purpose. Renew our minds today, Father God, that we can walk in it. And just because we don't have it all together doesn't mean that we're a failure. Allow us to be authentic with one another and grow together and love together. Minister together. Everybody in this place today, Lord, that stood up declaring they have some issue that they're battling.
I pray today is a day that they can mark in their calendar and say, here is when things changed. Today is a day that I walk in freedom. And I walk with my brothers and sisters that are holding my hands today. Father God, we declare this. We declare this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say it with me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have a very blessed day. Thank you, guys.